welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 8th of May 2016, entitled Break Up Your Fallow Ground. And the Bible readings are taken from Jeremiah chapter 4 verses 1 to 3 and Hosea chapter 10 verses 12 to 13. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I'm going to be reading from two portions of scripture. First of all in uh, Jeremiah chapter 4. Then if you'd like to go ahead and find your place, Hosea chapter 10, hold your finger there. We'll read from Jeremiah first. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word. We'll read in Jeremiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Jeremiah 4, 1 says, If thou wilt return, O Israel, saith the Lord, return unto me. And if thou wilt put away thine abominations out of my sight... Then shalt thou not remove. And thou shalt swear, the Lord liveth in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness. And the nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Then in Hosea The prophet Hosea writes in Hosea chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. You have plowed wickedness, you have reaped iniquity, You have eaten the fruit of lies because thou didst trust in thy way in the multitude of thy mighty men. Father, we pray now that you would just bless your word as it goes forth this evening. Father, you know that our thoughts are simple, but Lord, they're vital to your work upon this earth. We pray that you would speak to the hearts of each one here this evening as only you can. Lord, may it all be for your glory and your honor alone. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I don't know how many of you have ever done a lot of farming, growing vegetables, growing things that uh, uh, can, uh, can later be used either for beauty as these flowers or for fruit to put on the table. As a young lad, I grew up, we, we always had a vegetable garden. So many at the picture here, what the Bible is doing is he's trying to take something that is really common to all of us, and he's trying to use it as a picture of a great spiritual truth that he wants us to understand. Now, my thoughts this evening are simple. As we begin to look forward to our mission conference in a few weeks' time, I was thinking upon these these passages And of course, one of the things that is very, very important when you go to to sow any garden, to sow anything that you want to actually grow and to be fruitful, is the the preparation of the ground before you start putting those seeds in. Well, here we find that in Jeremiah, that the Lord is speaking specifically again to the men of Judah and Jerusalem He tells them, he begins there, that they need to return to him. They have gone away from God. 
And he says, you need to return to me. And when you return to me, you need to put away these abominations out of my sight, he says. There are a lot of things in their life that were an abomination to a holy God. He says, and you shall swear that the Lord lives in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness of who God is. And of course, then he goes on to say, the nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory truly. I believe as sure as I am standing here this evening that many of the lands of this world, as we look around us today, I believe that Great Britain, I believe that the United States of America, I believe that many of the nations have been blessed as greatly as they have because of what has been sown before us. Many, many that have gone before us that have broken up the fallow ground and that have sown the seeds. But I'm afraid that we live in a day that there's not a lot of seeds being sown. What is the future going to bring? If the preparation work isn't done now, if the seeds aren't sown, you see, what we have today is not what we produce today. It comes from the seeds that have already sown. If you're taking notes, because I'm liable just to totally forget about it, I really had three points this evening to what I want us to look at in this matter of sowing and breaking up the hallowed ground. And that is, first of all, the sowing, and then comes the growing, and then comes the showing. <laughs> you see, the first thing that has to take place is we're going to look at this breaking up the fallow ground. Now, what is fallow ground? Fallow ground is ground that basically something may have grown there before. It may have had plants, may have had lots of things growing in it. But basically what's happened when it's fallow ground is it's usually just been plowed over and left to lay fallow. It's left laying there. It's been plowed over, if you would, but nothing is sown in it. What happens when fallow ground is laying there and nothing is done to it. The weeds, the thorns, and all those things began to take hold. So really the Lord is saying something to them here when he uses this term, break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Now keep in mind, this is in relation to the spiritual condition that he's talking to these people about returning to him, doing away with the things that are an abomination, and instead declaring God for who that he is. He said, break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Now what the prophet Hosea is saying is very similar when he uses this same term. And as far as I know, in my searching, it's the only two places in scripture that uh, this, this specific illustration is used. But here in Hosea chapter 10, this is, if you would, uh, his response to Jehovah God. And he tells him here in verse, verse 12, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Sow in righteousness, reap in mercy. Keep that in mind. What does it mean to sow in righteousness? Well, we can begin to look, well, you know, the Bible says a lot of things about righteousness, but he certainly says that all of our righteousness are as 
filthy rags. How are we going to sow in righteousness if our righteousness is a bunch of filthy rags? Because even as we saw this morning, Christ has become our righteousness. The only way we can sow in righteousness is to sow in the Lord Jesus Christ, not in ourselves. We keep those, keep those things in mind as we, as we look here. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Again, he says, break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. You've plowed wickedness. You've reaped iniquity. You've eaten the fruit of lies because thou didst trust in thy way in the multitude of thy mighty men. Why is he telling them to break up their fallow ground? Because in their hearts, it's been plowed up in iniquity. The things that has begun to choke them out is the iniquity of this world. He says, you've plowed in the wrong things. Break up that fallow ground. Of course, again, the nation of Israel has gone away from God. They've allowed uh, the idols of this world, the things of this world, to take root in them. Now, I want you to turn to a couple of places in the New Testament that speaks of this. First of all, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, we find, we find this reading. Let's pick up in verse, uh, in verse 4. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him of every city, he spake by a parable. Jesus said, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And it was trodden down and the fowls of the air, air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock. And as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit and hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? Lord, what in the world are you talking about? Why are you talking to us about going out here and sowing seeds? And you're showing us all these different places. I mean, apparently, you know, some of them are just uh, being sown. First of all, he said he went out to sow and some fell by the wayside and it was trodden down. That was, you know, where the fields were plowed up and they were ready to sow. Along the side was where people walked and that dirt would get packed down really hard and it was like a, a hard packed pathway that they walked on. He said, you've sown seed and some of it fell on the path, the trotting, trotting down underfoot there. And of course, he said the fowls of the air devoured. The birds just came along and ate it up because it didn't even go into the ground. So it didn't accomplish anything. Some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Where does a plant get its sustenance? It's water. It's moisture from the ground. Just some of this just fell on rocky grounds. That's one thing that when you're preparing the ground, one thing you try to do is get the rocks out of the way because plants don't grow good in stone. They need rock. They need soil. They need the moisture from the soil. 
to the rocks were done away. But he said some of this seed just fell on rocky ground, and he said that it didn't last long because it wasn't being fed. It couldn't get its moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it out. That's kind of relating back to what Jeremiah and Hosea were talking about. When he says, break up your fallow grounds, don't sow your seed among the thorns. Because what happened? The thorns sprang up with it and choked it. (laughs) When they were springing up together, the thorns actually choked out the good seed. I can promise you that if you just go out there and start throwing seeds into that fallow ground with all the thorns and everything else and you don't prepare the soil and you expect to get a harvest from it, you're not going to get very much. We find that the Lord is making this very clear. And he goes on. They say, Lord, what are you trying to tell us? Well, he said, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. A mystery in Scripture is not something spooky. It's something that is being revealed, something that has been unknown up until that point. It's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see and hearing they may not understand. A lot of things could be said there, but may I say to you, the only way to truly understand what God has said is through the Holy Spirit of God. Man can try to understand spiritual things, but the Bible says that the natural man cannot understand the spiritual things of God. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. He said, the seed that I'm talking about sowing is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe And be saved. There are some that will sit under the sound of a pure, simple gospel message. They will hear clearly that they are sinners and that they need to be saved. They need to be forgiven. God has done everything to wash their sins away. But he says, before they have the opportunity to receive that, maybe. Maybe it's like we sing that closing hymn this morning, almost persuaded. Maybe they almost, but they wanted to put it off to another time. But he says, sometimes God's word, the seed, he says, sometimes it will be sown into people's lives, hearts. They hear it, but then the devil takes it away out of their hearts. He puts something else there. He tells them how silly that is or how foolish that is or how they've got all the time in the world, how they don't need it. He doesn't care. He wants to get them away from it. It also says that they on the rock are they which when they hear, they receive the word with joy. Boy, that is great news. God wants to save me. They receive it. These have no root, which for a while believe and in time of temptation fall away. Now I'm going to say something here, and I don't have time to expound upon it this evening, but there are many that think that somehow that this whole matter of being saved, of coming to to be one of God's children, is something that, boy, you know, it's like when uh, uh, I remember reading the story, I think I've shared it with some of you before at least, 
when two great men of God in bygone times, George Whitfield and John Wesley, were discussing this matter of, of being saved and how eternal that was because one of them believed very, very strong in, 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 in the doctrines of grace and once saved, always saved, and the other one believed that, that you could be saved and lose that salvation and you have to get it again and on and on. And John Wesley said to George Whitfield one day, and I'm sorry, George Whitfield said to John Wesley because George Whitfield was a Calvinist and John Wesley was an Armenian. They were to two extremes of this thing. And he said to John Wesley, he said, you know, John, he said, I believe with all my heart that you're just as saved as I am. He said, you know the difference? He said, well, both be in heaven together one day because God has saved us. It'd be hard to look at these men's lives and not believe that they were saved and greatly used of God. But George said, you know what the real difference is? He said, John, he said, between now and getting to heaven, he said, I'm going to have a peace that passeth all understanding. <laughs> I know I'm in the hand of God. You're going to worry every morning before you wake up if you're still saved or whether you're not, if you're going to make it today or if you're not. He says, the difference is the peace that I have now. Well, there's a lot of other things could be said, but... I don't believe that this is people say, see, that means that you can have it and lose it. No, they heard the truth and they responded, but it never took root. It never got into their hearts. This is those that hear with their ears, with their head. They hear what's being said and they, they maybe say, yes, I want that. But they don't really, in their hearts, they don't really want to repent and turn away from their sin they want to keep hold of the world. They want to hang on to the things of the world and at the same time be okay with God so they can someday go to heaven instead of hell. They never genuinely see themselves because for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If it's going to be real, it starts here and then it comes out here. These people hear it. They think, boy, that's great. That's fantastic. See, so many people today in sowing the seed, and we warn people about this. We're not in some kind of a race to see how many people that we can get a check mark beside their names that they're saved. We're not trying to outdo the church down the street or the church anywhere by seeing how many people we can get on the, on the roll of membership of this church. What we're trying to do is sow the good seed of God that people can genuinely be saved and born again. And when you're genuinely saved, when you're genuinely born again, it is eternal life that he gives you. We find that some of them sowed on the rock. They heard it. They thought it was good. They responded, but it didn't last because it did not take root. And that which fell among thorns are they which... When they've heard, they go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. This one's kind of questionable. And sometimes these parables, we can see different things there. But I kind of see this one as maybe the Christian that maybe, maybe it does take root, but they're amongst the thorns. They're still there. They allow the cares of this world, the things of this world, to keep them from ever producing any fruit. That's what he says here. They're choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. Their lives never amount to anything. We find that verse 15 is the important. This is what we're aiming for. 
But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Their lives are changed. They are fruitful for the Lord. You see, people can be in all kinds of conditions of spiritual and whether you see all of these the same, Jesus is trying to explain to them that people respond in a lot of different ways. Break up your fallow ground. You see, if we're going to go out there and sow seed, it takes work to break up the fallow ground. I want to tell you, it's hard work. You sweat when you're out there. You go out there, it doesn't just happen by itself. He said, don't just go out there and throw your seeds on that fallow ground. It may have been plowed and prepared at some time, but it's been left and nothing's been done to it. And the weeds and the thorns and everything have taken over. Break up your fallow ground. Don't sow amongst the thorns. I liken this to sometimes, sometimes when we are sowing the seed, the word of God, for people to find place in their hearts for it. You know, we can go out and we can, we can say something that's very true. I could go up to Brother Steve and him not be a Christian, him be a lost person. I say, buddy, you're going to hell. You're going to burn forever. And I mean, I could just really pour it on and I could tell him that. I doubt if he's going to respond very positively to that, but uh, I'm telling him the truth. If he's lost, he is going to go to hell. He is going to burn forever. But I don't think that's the way to break up the fallow ground to sow the word of God in his heart. That doesn't mean that we shy away from the truth. There's a time when we need to preach heaven sweet and hell hot. People need to understand the consequences of their choices. But I'm saying so many times what we're trying to do is people, they are choked. What did he say about those swords? They just kind of, they choke everything out. People are so choked up with the cares of this world. We're out there just trying to, to sow the seeds with them and we've never taken the time to break up. That fallow ground. Maybe it's had some preparation before. You know, we got to take some time with people. Do we really care about people? We got to genuinely be willing. You don't just go out there and grow a garden by just going and throwing a bunch of seed out and hoping it takes place. Break up your fallow ground. Don't just sow it amongst the thorns, amongst the, the cares of this world that'll choke it out. We need to see that souls are prepared. Now, it's a hard thing for us sometimes because, you know, in fact, we can't save anybody. <laughs> we'll see in that. All we're talking about right now, though, is sowing the seed. Sowing the seed. We find that I began to think, of course, remember here, he's using this same term when he's talking about the nation of Israel coming back to him. Because just as surely as when Jesus is using it and sowing the seed in the world that people can be saved, we find that here it was for the nation of Israel to return, that they had all the wrong things in their heart, that they had plowed all the wrong things. In other words, the world had become too much a part of their life. They were no longer separated unto God. He said they needed to break up that fallow ground. Now, if ancient Israel had this much unfruitful, fallow ground in their lives. What about Christians today? Are 
we not even more had fought? We have the complete word of God that they didn't have. We have the Holy Spirit that only draws us and convicts us and brings us to God. He moves in and takes up dwelling place there and stays with us forever. We have such a privilege, such an opportunity. Galatians 6, 7, and 8, 6, 7 and 8 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. We can do all of our sowing in the world if we want to. But everything that comes from that world is tainted with sin. It's temporal. It's going to be gone one day. But if we sow to the spiritual, that's something that will last forever. It's like many times I, I tell people, I said, look, I know, I know, I know. We're all the same. I mean, I mean, it's just like, you know, I started to reach in my pocket and pull out some bills, but I don't have any. I got some coins there, though. <laughs> this monetary stuff, this, this gold and silver and stuff that we, that we call, you know, he's talking about this stuff choking out the things of God. The truth is, is that so many times we get so concerned about the temporal things. I got news for you. It don't matter what currency it is. It can be pounds sterling. It can be U.S. dollars. It can be euros. It don't matter what it is. One day, it's all going to be gone. Did I throw it away? Praise God. I got so much I can just throw it away. One day, it's all going to be gone. None of it's going to be left. But those things we, that we sow in heaven, I tell people, that's like, you know, I, honestly, I, you know, you may think you're small-minded. I honestly believe with all my heart that, you know, when, when I get my, my, sorry, when I, my paycheck, I don't really get a paycheck. When the money comes in, praise God, that, to, that God brings to us from whatever direction that it might come from, the truth is, is I got bills to pay just like you. And I believe we have to be responsible. We shouldn't go in debt for anything that we can't afford, and we're better not to have any debts at all. We're not better not to owe any man anything, but... We have to live, and we have to pay our bills, and we have to do those things. And it's very, very, very easy to get so concerned about those things that they take up all the time in our lives. There's not much left for the spiritual. We get so focused. We spend all of our time, all of our efforts, all the wonderful gifts. God's made each of us unique and individual. We spend so much of it. Just trying to earn that temporal living that one day is all going to be gone anyway. I started to say, and I really believe it. You know, I honestly believe. You know, the Bible talks about giving hilariously. <laughs> I mean, man, when it comes time, we're going to receive the offering. Everybody, hey, praise God. I've just been waiting to be able to give God something. It's joy to be able to do it. So I mean, we're with dread. Why? Because that means too much to us. That means more to us in this life. We're afraid to let go. Can I pay my bills? Can I do this? Can I do that? Now, I'm not one of these. I'm sorry. 
You're looking for a prosperity preacher that tells you, you put this in here and praise God, you're going to all be rich and you're going to have your mansion and you're going to all drive Mercedes and you're never going to have to want for anything. You're in the wrong place tonight. But I believe this with all my heart. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. <laughs> when you got Jesus Christ, you've got everything. You don't have to worry about the money. Don't spend your whole life with all those things choking it out. Break up your fallow ground. Let the seeds be sown there that will bring forth fruit that will accomplish something for eternity, not just for this life. The sowing is so important. There's so many things we can look at there, but I don't have time for it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I want to talk to you just a second about the growing. You see, we do the work. We break up that fallow ground. We're being willing to get out there to work, to spend time for the Lord. People are not just going to come to Christ and become a Christian because you hand them a tract. They're not even going to do it because you one time tell them about Jesus. Praise God if you tell them about Jesus. Praise God if you give them a tract. But I'm saying that he's saying to us here, Christians, we need to break up your fallow ground. He said, we need to break up the fallow ground in our hearts first. If the seed, the word of God is going to take place in our hearts, it's got to take place here if it's going to take place in anybody else's life out there. God can't use us if we're just a bunch of old thorns and thistles. I, I know that sometimes Christians look like they're a bunch of thorns and thistles, that they got a bunch of thorns and thistles sticking in them. <laughs> but we need to break up our fellow ground. We need God's word. We need the spiritual things to take priority in our lives. So that then we can be used of God out there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Notice what he says here, picking up in verse 5. Because, well, let's just pick up in verse 1. Let's, let's read, because look, look at the context here. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I couldn't really talk to you about spiritual things. I had to talk to you like a baby. You ever talk to a baby? Often one, man, man, if babies really are thinking at all, thinking, what is wrong with this fool? Good, good, God, God, dad, 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 dad. Why don't you talk normal, you know? But we talk in very simple language. We just do it. We don't even have to think about it. I mean, I do the same thing with our grandkids. You know, I've got them up there, and instead of just speaking in a normal language, I'm talking all this weird stuff. You know, we just change. Well, Paul's talking, he's talking to this church. He said, you know, he said, I come to you, and I need to talk to you about spiritual things, but I can't. I got to talk to you carnally. I got to talk to you like you're a bunch of babies. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. Have you ever tried to feed a three month old a 12 ounce ribeye? <laughs> it might be fantastic to you, but that baby is not going to enjoy it at all. <laughs> He's not going to make much headway with it. He said, You know, I've had to spoon feed you with baby food because you can't take, you've not been able to eat the meat, to take the deeper stuff. Why? For ye are yet carnal because you're still too fleshly. 
For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, you know, if, if all this is going, is, is that the fruit of the Spirit? When we're envious over somebody else, when we're arguing, when we've got all these bad things, he says, and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? <laughs> You're not walking in the Spirit when that's what's typical of you. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Paulus, are you not carnal? In other words, you know, is it important that, you know, hey, I got saved by this preacher, and I got saved by that preacher, and I belong to this group, and I belong to that group? He says, who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. They were God's mouthpiece. It was God that spoke. It was God's truth that changed you. These men were just the ministers that were used to, to give God's word to you. Paul said, I have planted. Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. <laughs> you know, sometimes you might be the one that's putting the seed out there. I guarantee you, if it's not watered, it's not going to accomplish anything. <laughs> it will never. That's why even that that was sown in the rocky ground it couldn't because it couldn't get moisture even in good soil it's got to be watered it's got to have water to grow he says somebody comes along and plants the seed somebody else might come along and water that seed and work it and cultivate it but God gave the increase only God can bring souls only God can bring salvation we can't save anybody but we've got to be faithful. Whether we're sowing or whether we're watering, we've got to be faithful in doing that part that God might bring the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. Sometimes you got to be careful here too. <laughs> if you start feeling like, well, hey, you know, I'm the only one out there giving out tracts. I'm the only one that's out there knocking on those doors. I'm the only one that's out there telling people about Jesus. Me, me, me. Sometimes we want the glory. We want to look all spiritual to others. Don't you understand? <laughs> You're part of the body of Christ. We are all one, whether we're sowing the seed, whether we're doing the watering, whatever we're doing in this, it's all his glory. He's the only one that can bring the increase. Everything we do is wasted if he doesn't bring the growth. That's in your life or the lost person's life. Only God can bring that increase. So there's the sowing and there's the growing. We need to do the sowing. God does growing and then there's the showing i thought about this now you know we were talking a while ago about you know whatever a man sows that's what he reaps that's what he gets in return you know it's like sometimes i've tried a few times not very successfully because i promise you i've got a few things to learn but england is not the best place when you need sunshine for things to grow <laughs> some things grow great if you need a lot of water and uh, not a whole lot of sunshine I've tried to grow, now over here I grow tomato plants. 
And if I grow tomato plants, I reap tomatoes. I don't reap oranges. I don't reap grapes. I love growing peppers, but I don't get peppers off of my tomato plants. Now, if I was in North Carolina, we don't grow tomato plants over there. We grow tomato plants. They're very similar. They look the same, but one's a tomato and one's a tomato, and never the two shall meet. What we sow is what we reap. And so we've got to keep in mind, what are we really sowing with our lives? We're all sowing something. Too many people are sowing like some of them were disunity, discord, strife. You think that's of God? No. We do the sowing. He does the growing. Then comes the harvest. We find that where we've been reading and doing our study in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 8, Verse 22, we looked at this verse when we talked about Noah and God's promise to never destroy the world by water again. It says, while the earth remaineth seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Now, he doesn't promise everybody the same amount of day and night, the same amount of cold and heat. He doesn't promise everybody the same amount of summer and winter. We're really blessed in this country too because some days we can get all the seasons in one day. We've had some of those lately, but they're going to keep coming and they're going to keep there. And of course, as he began there, seed time and harvest, planting things and growing things. If you turn into the New Testament into the gospel of Matthew chapter 9, a very important principle here that we should keep in mind. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38. We talked earlier about the importance, well, the importance of prayer and everything that we do. We just want to head out sometimes. We go, well, boy, I'm going to go do this and do that. Notice here, it starts at verse 35, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jesus was busy. I mean, he was preaching and he was teaching and he was going from town to town. There was no problem with what he was sowing. But yet suddenly he sees this group of people. And you know that I've told you before, that word, therefore, he had compassion upon them. He didn't just feel sorry for them. He didn't just think they were having a bad day. He hurt down deep inside himself. We talked about that word not too long ago. He hurt down deep inside himself. You think of the worst thing that ever happened in your life and that feeling that just hits you in the gut. Boom. Jesus hurt because they were like sheep without a shepherd. The sheep without a shepherd. If you got the sheep out there and they have a shepherd, no more, they start wandering off everywhere and then they're in danger of the wolves and the lions and all these because the sheep can't protect itself against all these vicious things. 
He saw these people like that. And what was his response to that? Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. Look at all of them. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. <laughs> I, I wish that we could truly grasp what Jesus was saying there. You see, we talk about how bad the world is and how tough it is and how nobody wants to, to listen to us and how hard it is to witness and all. May I say to you, the harvest is plenteous. They need the gospel like never before. The seed is still the good seed. And if we'll break up that fallow ground and if we'll plant that seed in the good soil, if we'll work it, water it, God will still bring the increase. He will. But he says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Does it really matter to us? Does it really matter? I'm going to ask you a very hard question right now. Does it matter to you that your mom or your dad are not ready to face God? Does it matter to you that your husband or your wife, your brother or your sister... Does it matter to you that your children, that your nephews, that your nieces, does it matter to you that the people, the family, and the friends that mean the most to you in this world, does it matter that they're not ready to face God? We say it matters. May I say to you that we get so involved in the world and so choked down by the cares of this world that it honestly doesn't matter. We don't hear, we don't hurt like Jesus did when we look and see the desperate situation that they're in. When was the last time that we prayed earnestly, God, please, these people need to be saved? Because we feel it inside. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. When was the last time that your heart was broken for those people that you care about that are not saved? I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm just saying, folks, we got to do just like Jeremiah, just like Hosea was saying. We need to wake up. We need to break up our fallow ground. We need to sow the seeds, the good seeds in their hearts. We find that if you turn over just a few pages in your Bible to the Gospel of John, and this will be my last verse this evening. Gospel of John chapter 4. Word of God says this, beginning in verse 34, Jesus again speaking, Jesus saith unto them, my beat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Jesus, the Son of God, said that he was there to finish the work that God the Father had sent him to do, to finish that work. Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. We may look, 
We may say it's not time to harvest. It's not going to happen now. Look around us. We don't see it. Jesus said, don't say that it's four months yet. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Herein is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. Can I, can I say to you that it's like I can, I can honestly say that my love for God and his will and my love for the lost is such I don't have a jealous bone in my body. The greatest preachers that we could ever get to come behind that pulpit that can do a better job than me, praise God, let's get them in here. I'm not jealous. We're all doing the work of God. God knew what he was getting when he got me, and he knew what he was getting when he got you. He didn't call you to be like anybody else, to do it like anybody else. He called you to do what he wants you to do, where he wants you to do it. I don't have to preach like anybody else. It doesn't matter to me. You know, I thank God, Brother Alex, when, when somebody comes and prays that sinner's prayer and puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I can honestly say it's one of the most exciting moments in all the world to see somebody do that. But I'm not foolish enough to think if it happened to be me that was there when they prayed that prayer, me or somebody else preaching the sermon, me or somebody else that was witnessing to them, that was telling them how to be saved, don't ever get so foolish as to think that somehow you did it. No. We want to be instruments that God can do it. He's the only one that can do it. And yes, sometimes we look and we think, you know, it's just not ready. We can't do anything. There's always those that can be harvested. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They're white already to harvest. There's so many today. I'm just saying, folks, you know, you, whoever you are, whatever your age, whatever your mentality, whatever your language, whatever your background, whatever, 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 God can use you. Might be to sow, might be to water, might be to reap. He's the only one that gives the increase. We're just privileged to sow some seed, to work the ground, to cultivate, sometimes to even pick the fruit when it's ready. But God is the only one that gives that life. And you know, if you're here this evening, I wish if there was words that I could preach if there was something that I could do to get you to understand, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is nothing on the face of this earth that's more important than that. Right here, right now, this evening, we find that maybe you're here and you are saved. I want to remind you, God is telling us just like he did the nation of Israel, Break up that fallow ground. Maybe it's been plowed. Maybe it's had harvest before. Maybe things have happened, but 
maybe it's just laying dormant. A field that's laying dormant, nothing is growing, and maybe the, the weeds and the thorns are starting to, to take hold, the cares of this world, the, the worries of this world. He said, break up your fallow ground. Break it up. Don't sow amongst the thorns. Get rid of all those things. Get rid of those worldly things out of your life. Come to him and, and acknowledge God for who he is and give him your life and let him use your life. He will use you. Sometimes we're pray, afraid to pray for God to send forth labors into the harvest because he might come and say, Alex, I want you in Africa. <laughs> Tibby, I want you up in Antarctica. <laughs> they need somebody up there. Steve, God wants you in Israel. <laughs> he felt that call before. Sometimes we're worried. Don't be worried about where God's going to put you. I can promise you. <laughs> he put me in Birmingham. Amen. <laughs> Wherever God puts you, that's the best place to be. It's the place you'll be happy. Doesn't matter about geography. It matters about whether you're in the center of his will. God wants to use you. Jesus came to finish the work of God. His purpose was always to seek and to save sinners. He's left you and he said, greater works than these shall you do because I go into the Father. Because I'm sending another. <laughs> another. That paracletus, that one to come alongside, that one to literally dwell within you. You see, the work of Christ can take place in your life. I don't care who you are. But maybe you need to break up that fallow ground. Get rid of those thorns, those weeds, those things that have been taking possession of your life. Get rid of them so that the good seed can take seed in your heart. And then God can use you to sow that seed in others' hearts out there. Father, I wish I knew what could be said, Lord, that would get the message across even with the clarity that you gave it to my heart. Lord, I don't care who we are, how long we've been saved. I pray that we wouldn't be like the church at Corinth that still needed to be fed with baby food. Lord, help us. Help us. Help us to break up the fallow ground in our hearts. That the good seed can go in there. That we can grow and become more mature and be able to be used of you and that it's, it's the Spirit not that our hearts are plowed up with the iniquities and that the fruits that's coming forth is the, the envy and the strife and all of these things, but God, help it to be the fruit of the Spirit that's coming out of us. Help us not to sow to the temporal things of this world, but to sow to the spiritual things of eternity. God, we're just human people that sure mess things up a lot. But I pray that you could just take better control of our lives. We don't want to do anything that anybody can look at us. God forbid that we would ever desire that. But we want to be able to be used of you that you might be glorified, that you might be honored, that you can give the increase that you want to give. We give you all the praise for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.